Don't be wasting any time. I got somewhere to be. Always on the grind. Yeah, you know me. All the crowd will Payback Time is a podcast that dives into the real story behind the person. How did they build their business? What challenges did they overcome? What mistakes did they make? And how did they achieve their goals? The overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to success. Sean Tepper is your host. Are you ready? It's payback time. What does real estate, ATMs, and private lending all have in common? Passive income. My next guest is an entrepreneur that has mastered the ability to create multiple streams of passive income. He emphasizes the fact that you don't need to be creative and invent a new business if you want to become an entrepreneur. There are always forms of passive income that serve a need. Please welcome Marcus Norman. Marcus, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh. All right. And I love your enthusiasm. I can't wait to hear your story. So uh, speaking of, I'll turn it over to you. If you could give the audience your career backstory. Absolutely. My career backstory is one. Uh, I was born in the Caribbean, U.S. Virgin Islands, and I made my way to the United States uh, via the military. And one of the unique things about the military is the military has an expeditious way of turning a young man into a man, right? And take the boy out of. And I quickly had to grow up and adapt in, a, in the United States in a, in a world that I wasn't familiar with, in an environment that I wasn't familiar with. And so the military matured. The military gave me the core things, the, the background, the, the getting up at a certain time, waking up at a certain time, the commitment, the dedication, the drive, accomplishing the mission, those things. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, when I entered business, when I got out of the military, um, I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have a, a, a fancy college certificates or any licenses or special certifications when I got out. And so I quickly had to learn how to adapt to my new surroundings once again. And because I'd already did it once, joining the military, learning the military, and then adapting to the customs and traditions of that that branch that I was in, I was in the U.S. Navy, I could do it quickly. And that's one of the unique benefits. So when I entered the business realm, my first and foremost thing was real estate, right? Jumping into real estate. But like most people, we suffer with, where do I start? It's capital. Right. How do I acquire the money to get into this business? That's every business's struggle that their focus point is capital. Where do I get the money to start business? I have to market. I have to advertise. I have to do all these things. Where do I start? And so I picked up part time work. I picked up a part time job separate from my my primary job, which I I still work for the federal government. But at the time, um, it was insurance. Right. Insurance was the industry that allowed me to make a high return and a high income without the licensing and a certification. So I started with Aflac. I worked from Aflac, Geico, State Farm, Wells Fargo, you name it. And that developed my financial acumen over time. And so entering the business, well, from those standpoints, allowed me to not only learn, but also rub shoulders with people who were doing the same thing and had the same passions as me. And so I started with house hacking. Right. That's a common real estate term throughout the industry. And if you don't know, house hacking is where you buy a property and you live in that property for that period of time. And that period of time, you're generating revenue. And so if you have a mortgage, let's let's look at a three thousand foot view. If you have a mortgage, that's a thousand dollars and you rent 
that property, you live in that property, and let's say you rent rooms in that property mm -hmm. that total $1,200, you, let's keep it simple, let's negate everything at taxes, insurance, all that, $1,000 mortgage, $1,200 income from renting the rooms out in your property, um, you now are positive cash flow, right? Your mortgage is covered and you have a $200 profit. So did that for the start of my real estate investing career. And that launched me into the real estate that I have today. And duplexes, Airbnb, vacation rentals, all these different things, all these different businesses was catapulted and launched from that initial start. And so that's who I am today. And that's why I, I give back in this when I come to great platforms like this one. Mr. Mm -hmm. Sean has allowed me to speak and, and share and give back to his community in hoping that this message serves someone who's against the fence and wanting to wonder if they should give back or should I even get started? So that's yes. where, where I'm at today. And so, yeah. That's awesome. Let's start unpacking some of these milestones here. So I really like to hear you had a full-time job while you started hustling, you know, started working on real estate um, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs that feel like they need to dive all in and there's no uh, certainty with income and that can be a losing battle majority of the time. So I'm curious to know when you first started working, what age were you coming out of the military? I was 26, 26 okay. coming out of the military. And how many years did you work while investing in house hacking at the same time? Um, I've been working ever since then. I've been working since the age of 10, um, 10 years old. I've always had a job, never, um, all, even out throughout high school. And so when I got out of the military in 2014, the quickest thing is I needed to do, which, was, which is most veterans problem, is finding a job. So when I got out in 2014, I needed to find something quickly to produce income because I had no income. I had no job and I had no, no skill set on paper, at least. And so what I did is I paid for a resume. I paid someone. I paid in a professional to write my resume. And the reason why I did that is because, number one, it was a proven system. A lot of people, they try and do it themselves. Even in business, we try and do it ourselves. We wear multiple hats. We juggle multiple positions because we don't want to pay and outsource the load. And so that is something I learned early on in business that I need to realize that I am not good at this. I am not the expert and I don't have time to figure it all out. And so I paid someone to write my resume and I said, this is the job I want. Make my resume this. Make me shine for this position. And so mm -hmm. I paid, I think I paid about $700 for that expert to write my resume. But guess what it did? It got me a job within a month where the average at the time in 2014, the average time frame for a veteran to find a job was six to eight months. Wow. I needed revenue now. I needed money yep. now. And so what's the cost? Well, the cost was $700. And to some, that's not worth it. But to me, it absolutely was because it curved that waiting period. It curved yep. my job spending period. So I hope that answered your question. Uh, to a degree, what I'm trying to do is, uh, you know, our listeners want to know like how long they should be working full time and then creating a business on the side. So you start working, you're selling insurance. How long were you selling insurance? Are you, well, here's a question for you. Are you full, like, are you full-time real estate investor today or you still have a, a full-time job working for somebody? So I do both. So I do both. I still work today. Uh, and, but to answer your question, um, mm -hmm. a realist to, to dive into business full-time. And I actually talked about it on my show 
Um, I interview someone to talk about the different things before you dive into 100% self-employed. You should have a, a healthcare plan, right? You should make sure that you have a plan and you have a coverage plan on whether you have health insurance. If you have medical problems and you need that sustainable plan to cover you while you transition yep. over. And then, of course, your revenue, your revenue stream. My revenue stream before I left insurance had to be stabilized. And so when I left insurance, when I left that industry, I needed to know that my rental property income was consistent or I at least gotten a property to a level that was consistent to what I needed. I got my tenants satisfied. I got all the maintenance that I needed done onto the property that I didn't have. The roof, plumbing, um, the electrical, all those big ticket items that can derail your budget and that can derail yep. your, your costs. Um, those had to be taken care of before I could step away from that job. And so that's what I did. And then again, figuring out what am I going to do? At the time, 2014 um, is when they introduced Obamacare. So yep. that really helped in the transition because it allowed me to walk into um, affordable health insurance, even as a self-employed person. Yep. Right. So when you walk into it, I made sure and I'm a veteran. So that was a key thing that I didn't have to worry about as well. I still got the Obamacare health insurance, but then I realized that I was a veteran and I was going to get medical treatment irregardless. Right. So I can go to any VA hospital. And so if you're a vet, you can go to any VA hospital and get receive care and receive treatment, whether or not you're covered by a health insurance provider or not. So that was one thing that I didn't have to deal with. And then having sufficient savings because I was making cash flow when I was um, house hacking. I took that money and I set it aside. I didn't spend Good. it. I didn't upgrade anything. I didn't buy fancy cars. I took the money and put it into a reserve fund and I didn't touch it, right? I didn't touch that money. And so health insurance, making sure your health is good because health is important, making sure you have sufficient cash flow coming in yep. and making sure that you have a nest egg or, or an emergency fund, like they always say, Dave Ramsey and all the gurus mm -hmm. like yourself talk about having an emergency fund at least six to eight months, right? And so sure. having those yeah. three things will give you a good feeling to say, I can now step away from this and go full-time into what I'm doing. Yeah. So just to clarify here, are you full-time real estate investor? Or let's maybe break down the other revenue streams you have coming in if it's not. Absolutely. So I still work full-time and I still real estate invest. And I also am an ATM vendor. So I have ATMs. I have a a portfolio of a fleet of ATMs that I maintain and manage. I okay. also have a property manager that allows me to work full-time. So I'm not full-time real estate because I have a property manager in place. If I didn't sure. have them, then I would be a full-time real estate investor. And then I also have a small business lending company. So I lend to small businesses that I see potential in and I, I want to return on my investment. I think like a bank. Remember, I worked in banking. And so these are the things, ATMs, right? That's what banks do. And lending, that's what banks do as well. So I am not a creative. I do not reinvent the wheel. I don't create brand new systems. I mimic what's already in place. Real estate has been done since the Egyptians. So it's easy for me to take a system and make it better. Totally. And so I choose to work when I don't have to, but because my property manager allows me to work, because I don't have to deal with the, the late phone calls and the the the, the of course. wake up in the middle of the night. So that does that help answer that question? I still work because I choose we're, to. We're still working on it. We're still working on it. So you, <laughs> I, I'm breaking down the fastest. So we've got real estate as one. Yes, sir. We've got ATMs, which we'll dive, dive into that. And then we'll talk into this lending in a moment because there's multiple directions we can go there. But really, what is your full-time job then? I'm curious. 
Absolutely. So I work for the federal government as a funeral honors representative. So I help families um, help establish the the rifle salutes, the gun salutes, the pallbearers. When a veteran passes away, I assist families um, coordinating um, if you're having a plain side honors, if you're having the casket moved to different locations. I assist families with that, with that transition and burying their loved ones. So the bugler that plays the taps when they're lowering the casket, I help facilitate those in the East Coast region. Wow. Wow. Yes, sir. Well, good for you. Thanks for serving, not only in the military, but in that position alone. It's, uh, you definitely have to have a, probably, uh, I'm phrasing this wrong, but a very uh, empathetic attitude to what, what people have just went through. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's hard, right? It's, no one is ever calling me because they had a good day, right? No one is ever calling me because they had a good right. time. It's always lost a loved one, losing my loved one. He's on hospice, those types mm-hmm. of phone calls. So it, it, I take a lot of vacation. I take a lot of time off. Good um, for you. For that, yeah. for that simple reason. It's, it's a very hard job. But wow. it allows me to serve in another capacity because I am a vet. And yep. so I get to give back in that way. That's kind of like my, my way of giving back. Sure. Well, good for you. Thanks for sharing that. So, and this is good no matter what a listener does for work is you have a steady job, foundation, ongoing cash flow, and then everything else that's coming in residually, you can use that to continue to expand those enterprises. You can invest in the stock markets. Um, overall, you're putting yourself in a very good position. You already know this where you could probably retire pretty early. So let's Let's just touch on the properties. I'm curious, how many properties do you have today? I have four. Four, okay. Are these single family or you go with duplexes or? Duplexes and single family. Okay, that's your specialty? Gotcha. Okay, cool. And are these located in the Virginia area? Yes, sir, in my backyard. I am not brave enough yet to um, invest out of state. Got it, got it. Yeah, I I asked that question because some investors I talk to are, They'll be located in, let's say, Arizona, but they'll have, yeah, all my properties are on the West Coast or the East Coast, you know, at the same time. And it's like, how do you manage it? He's like, well, you got to trust the right property manager, right? Even though your property is 2,000 miles away, (laughs) you know? So, okay, let's, let's transition to the ATMs. How did you get into that? So I got into the ATM business because I was sitting on capital. I had acquired as much real estate as I wanted to tolerate. And so I was sitting on capital. And so again, I researched what's an investment that has a significant barrier to entry, but the return is valuable. The return makes the investment worth it. And I stumbled upon vending machines, which led me to ATMs. And so I chose ATM out of vending machines because I don't want to stock up chips or bubble gum, but I can stock up cash, right? I can keep cash on me and fill ATMs. And so the ATM cost can range anywhere from one machine to, let's say, $2,000 to about $5,000. And so the barrier to entry to most is expensive, but the investment, let's take, um, and this is the dangerous part, right? We're doing math live. So let's say you have an ATM that makes $2.50. You charge $2.50 and you times that by 10 transactions. One day, one day, that's $25 a day. Not a life changer, right? Not a huge difference, but that's $25 one day. So you times that $25 times one day times 30 days in a calendar month and you get $750. 
Nice. That is the beginning of a game changer. Mind you, I manage a fleet of these, but just the one machine doing 10 transactions one day at a $2.50 charge is starting the trend. And so I wash, rinse, then repeat. So I did the same yes. thing. I bought one machine, saved the excess capital because I didn't need it. Right? I didn't need the money. I had real estate. I had my job. I had rental properties. And so I didn't need this money. So I set that $750 aside and I bought another location. And I marketed and I advertised and I promoted and I found a third location. And I, and I don't buy an ATM until I have a location. I don't have, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't have a garage full of these things, right? I don't do that or a warehouse full of these things. So once I find the location, once I find the need, then I purchase a machine with the excess capital that I've gained. Does yep. that answer your question? Totally. Yes. It, it sounds like, and again, I love how you phrase that we're doing math live, which is always a risky situation. I'm thinking about hypothetical payback time. Let's say you buy a machine for two grand. We'll just use round numbers here. And you're generating, you know, $700 a month, rough, rough revenue here times three, three months, there you go, $2,100. Is that, is that usually average? Can you, can you pay off a machine in, in, let's say, three months? That's usually about ballpark average. Now, the pandemic, I will say this, changed some of that, right? So my sure. revenue dropped a little bit, right? Okay. But one of the things that I did that most people don't do is I didn't borrow any money. Yes, right. I, so I bought these ATMs cash. So the, to me, these ATMs cash flow day one. There was nothing to pay back because yep. I didn't finance them. That's what sets real estate, which you're paying back that mortgage. Imagine the potential when you pay off that mortgage. If your mortgage is $1,000, what do you now have? Your, your revenue, which was $200 in excess, now jumps to $1,200 going into retirement. Right. So, so I mimicked the same process, but I bought my machines cash. So technically, in my setup, they made money day one not month three after I paid them all back. Right, right. Yep. And I like that. And, and these aren't significant purchases like a home can be a big purchase, right? I look at a low barrier to entry. It's probably the process here. Let's talk about this a second. You got to probably build relationships with, I'm thinking, uh, gas stations um, and convenience stores. I think of like um, a Walgreens or CVS equivalent write something like that, that you can put an ATM in. Uh, what does that process look like? Do you have to get like a permit? Uh, how does it work? So that process is actually fairly simple. It's like any business. You need to, I incorporate. So I incorporate my business. I open bank accounts. I get my DUNS number. I get the business bank account. I get all of that established. Once that is established, then I promote. I start marketing. I either go door to door or I start promoting on social media, Facebook, mm -hmm. Instagram, or um, I use mailers. So I, so the same thing, this is real estate. This is what real estate investors do. They send out mailers. Well, I mimic the same process. Remember, I'm, I don't create any new systems. I use what's already worked. And so I mail out mailers to these businesses, these gas stations in my area and they respond and they call me and they say, Hey, I got your flyer. I got your postcard. I got your letter. Um, I would love for you to come down and evaluate if my business is a good business for yep. an ATM or I need an ATM. My current one is, is bonkers. If you go around and you see how many ATMs are neglected, you'd be shocked and you'd be surprised. And that's an easy sell. Unlike any other business, right? Insurance. When I walk up to you and I'm trying to sell you insurance, I have to explain myself. But the second I walk into that gas station and I say ATM, the vendor, the, the business owner already knows. He already knows 
this makes money. He understands the basic concept yep. of it. And it's a less sell. I don't have to hard sell anything. All I say is ATM and he already knows what I'm talking about versus insurance or any other product, which you have to explain. I got to sit down. I got to consult with you. It may take one or two appointments. No, I get a sale off the first appointment because yep. you already know and you already wanted me. You called me here. Right. I I love this. I, I think I've talked to one or two other guests that have ATMs, but I didn't deep dive into starting this revenue stream. So this is really educational. I'm curious, do you pay a like a rental fee to have that machine sitting in like a gas station? Do you have to pay that to the gas station owner? No, because I offer the ATM to the owner for free. And so that's the hook, right? The hook is I'm putting my ATM at no cost to the owner. In, in, in actuality, I could charge the owner for putting the machine there, but, mm. I, but I don't do that. But that's a, another revenue stream, right? I put a um, flyer or a billboard or a sign at the top of my ATM, and that gives rental. Um, I can charge for that. If you want right. your business to be advertised on top of my machine at my gas station, right? Now I can charge a boot rent for, for having that advertisement on my machine. So that's another revenue stream. Um, there's so many different revenue streams. So no, I don't charge the owner anything. Okay. And I have some businesses that don't, I can split the profits. I have a profit splitting program, sharing program okay. that I give the business owner. I have a couple of ATMs that investors have invested in ATMs with me. And so I split the profits between me, the business owner and the, the investor. Sure. And so I, I can multifacet this um, ATM, this one machine, any way I choose. Sure. And so I've had owners like, well, do I have to pay you? How much do I have to pay? So you don't have to pay me a thing, but allow me the space. And that's it. Right. But I can. I absolutely can. That's a pretty easy win-win. It is. Yeah, that's that's great. Now I'm thinking about the strategy of location. Right away, what comes to mind is high foot traffic areas, you know, inner cities, um, probably uh, locations near a lot of restaurants or bars because people need cash. Um, I think about colleges and universities. I know they're probably not as busy as they used to be because of COVID, but that's probably another area. What, what else can you tell us? Any strategies around location you can share? Absolutely. So strategies, I do a consultation with every location. Before, when they call me, I have sure. to come out. I don't order anything. I don't buy anything. I don't make any guarantees or promises on the profit sharing. So they try and get me over from, how much are you going to give me? Well, let me see the site. And I'll do that. I'll scope a scene. I'll drive to the area. I'll sit in the parking lot, like my gas station. I sat in the parking lot for three hours to see what that traffic looked like, to uh -huh. see what his, so I didn't, I didn't go in until after I saw what the flow of traffic, <laughs> he was near a major highway. So he has the truckers he had. And also too, he had skill games. He had the gambling machines. He had the casino games. Ah, he had sure. a dedicated room for gambling. Um, but my initial research before I walked in, I didn't know that. I didn't know he had those machines. So my initial assessment said he's a good location. When I walked in and I saw the room full of gambling equipment, I was like, this is a phenomenal location. So right. now I can go in with knowledge and, and I can pick out a site and say, yep, I'm a, can I put my machine here? This is why I'm going to secure it. This is why I'm going to bolt it to the floor. And now I can make a reasonable offer to the business owner and say, I will pay you this based off of what I see. How do you feel? And usually mine is right on. It's usually, I usually, what I've been told is I give away a lot because they, um, the number they were thinking was usually less than what I offer. But I'm not in the business of ripping people off. I want people to make money. And right. if he's happy, guess what he's going to tell his friend? He's going to tell his buddy. 
And now I have a referral and he's happy and I'll be in that location till the machine breaks down. Right. Because he's happy and he's making money and everybody's making money, including myself. Yes. Well, that's a good segue question. I always think about maintenance. So what are the maintenance costs on running an ATM? Absolutely. So the ATMs have a lifespan of about 10 to 15 years. Brand okay. new. I order mines brand new, fresh out the box. So I don't use used ATMs. I purchase mine brand new from the manufacturer. Right. And so they have a lifespan of about 10 to 15 years. The wear on tear of them depends on the location, but mine have lasted throughout. And so the maintenance, there's no ink. I don't have to buy ink. The print receipt is a laser jet print receipt, like those laser jet printers. Yes. I don't have to purchase ink. And the maintenance on them is very minimal because that machine is brand new out the box. The electronics, the equipment, the electrical, the monitors. It's very, right now, it's, my business is very hands-off. With the exception of filling the machine, I'm, I'm hands-off. I don't have to do very little maintenance on them. The ATMs are brand new. So if there's a jam, the ATMs can self-correct themselves. And they can clear themselves without me having, I have an ATM that's about 200 miles away from me. I, I, I've had that location for three years. That machine has not jammed on me once. Wow. It's brand new out of the box. Without the initial installation, I have not had to drive out to that location for three years. And it just runs. Wow. It, it just goes. I'm curious here, refilling the machine, is that something you do? Do you have a service do that for you? So I have a service, or if I want, I can have an agreement to have the owner fill it. So that particular location, the owner fills it, Got it because it's so far away from me. So I give him a little bit more, not much, but I still give him a little bit more because it's still my machine and the machine still belongs to me. But I give yeah. him a little bit more because he is filling it. Good for you. Yeah, I was going to say, if you, you're like hands off here, literally. I love this model. <laughs> Absolutely. Passive income, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you wish you would have bought some stocks earlier? Imagine buying Amazon for $125 in 2010. Today, Amazon is over $2,500. Imagine buying Facebook for $25 in 2013. Today, Facebook is over $200. And imagine buying Netflix for $60 in 2014. Today, Netflix is over $400. Do you feel like you find out about great stocks too late? What if you could find great stocks before they become mainstream news? And what if there's a software that found those stocks for you? With Ticker, you can find great stocks before what feels like the rest of the world finds out. Ticker was inspired by successful investors including Benjamin Graham, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, and my mentor, Phil Town. If you want to know how they consistently beat the market, Ticker is your solution. Get started today with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro. That's T-Y-K-R.pro. Again, ticker.pro. Well, I'm I'm running simple numbers here. Let's say you live in an area that has, I would say, larger cities within an hour of you. You could start to build relationships. And let's say you conservatively speaking, you've got 10 machines each producing. 500 bucks a month per machine, there's a residual $5,000 a month. Um, that to me seems pretty achievable. It's just building those relationships, making the sale with the right away, you know, I think gas station or a convenience store or some kind of pharmaceutical type business that like a Walgreens, you can get in there and, and there you go. It's, you, you, once you get in the door, right, there you go. 
it's it's done. It's an easy, yeah. easy system. So you're absolutely right. It's very passive. It's a passive as you want to be. If you want to be engaged, the first year I was very engaged. I was driving mm-hmm. out. I was visiting. I was maintaining, um, putting money in. As I grew more experienced, I was like, no, nah, will, will, will you feel it? Um, no, you'll feel it. And here's why you'll feel it. Here's why you want to feel it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Incentives. I love it. Great. Well, this this has been really educational. I, I think a few listeners are going to like this idea. Probably going to beat me to the punch and start buying some <laughs> ATMs. Um, but let's let's transition to a fun conversation here. Lending. So give you context. My experience with lending is more not so much lending, but investing like an angel investor, even venture capital. Um, what is your lending business? Is this uh, some kind of private equity type business, like an investment more, or is this an actual lending institution? Great question. Thank you for that. So during the pandemic, I, again, sitting on capital, I had yep. to research what can I do with this money? How can I make this money um, work for me? And so yep. now I invest in um, Start Engine and I invest in the equity side of businesses, startups that have been vetted. And they're filing with the SEC regulations and guidelines. And so I invest in businesses that I feel have a unique aspect to them, or I feel that they're going to be into the foreseeable future. And then the other side to my, um, that's, that's investing, just the equity and buying equity in positions and startups and companies that could go public or intend to sell or intend to pay back their investors at some point in the future. Those are long-term plays. The more immediate plays are like a bank. So I invested in peer-to-peer lending platforms like Lending Club. Lending Club is another platform that I utilize to lend out money and receive a higher return on my money. And so Lending Club, for example, I loaned $1,000 to a small business CEO with a 700 credit score, and that earns me 9% on my money every single month. Not annually, not weekly. That's daily interest accrual because that's how a bank makes money on your money. Yep. It's a daily accruing interest rate. So I invested in that and that's how I'm getting my feet wet in the lending platform. So I'm buying, I'm doing the equity side of investing and investing yep. in startups and I'm doing the lending side of business. So people looking for car, not car loans, but people looking for small loans, business, personal loans, right. small business loans, um, equipment loans, those type of things. So I do both sides of the house and investing with the money that I'm sitting on. This is really cool too. So the second URL I caught, which is lendingclub.com, and it looks like you can you can provide loans, and then of course you're making you're making that nine percent. It sounds like correct. I assume Lending Club is taking some kind of cut, right? Yes, Lending right. Club takes a percentage. Yes. Okay. Can you share what that percentage is? So Lending Club takes about a five to ten percent percentage cut of that money. Okay. And so because they're also the third party um, facilitator of it. So they're facilitating sourcing the loans. They gather all the paperwork and they bring you the loans, the notes to invest in. And then you can make a decision on, do you want to invest in this note and how much? And so facilitating that loan and the management of that loan, they charge about 10% for their management of that loan. And so everything else. And then if the person doesn't pay, there's administrative fees that they have to go through in the legalese. They got to pay lawyers to go after the money, (laughs) but we're not even talking about the negatives again to earn a 9%, let's say 7%. My goal is to outpace inflation. So if your money is not beating inflation, 
you're losing. Yep. And with everything happening with PPP loans and money being printed and Bitcoin going up, um, it's only a matter of time because we keep printing more money that inflation is going to follow suit. And so we have to make sure that the money that we're earning and we're making has to out at least at a minimum outpace inflation. And so that's what I'm always seeking is to beat out that inflationary rate. Yep. Got it. So 9% is what you can expect. And that's an annual, I'm probably a dumb question here, annual return. Yes, sir. Right. Okay, cool. All right. And then what was the first URL, the more investing strategy? What was that? So that is Start Engine. So Start okay. Engine um, is actually, it is sponsored and um, Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary sure. yeah. is, is a consultant of Start Engine. And so Start Engine is a similar platform where they seek out um, people with capital, but they also seek out businesses looking for capital. So there's a new kid on the block called Nightscope. And what they are is they're, you may have seen them on Facebook or social media, but their whole platform is they create security robots for malls, military bases, airports, mm-hmm. right? And they flourish during the pandemic and they're offering shares in their company and they're absolutely blown up. I think they just earned their, their fifth or sixth government contract. They own, wow. they're, they're now being recognized across the United States. They're, they're homegrown. Um, that's another plug. They are a homegrown company. So these aren't robots from China or the mm-hmm. outside of the United States. They're being built here in the United States. So that's their selling point. And yeah, they just got awarded their six government contracts. So they have nice, these robots that are facilitated and managed by them. And these robots are just always autonomous roving. And so I invested in that company because I nice. believe in what he's doing. And that's a way for people who said they missed out on Amazon. They missed out on Alibaba. They missed out on Google. Now you have an opportunity to see these businesses and get in at the start. Got it. So I'm assuming if you are business and you want to go on and I'll give the URL for the audience, startengine.com. And we'll promote your brands in a little bit too, but um, any uh, fun and helpful URLs I always like to give away. So with this, as a private business, you can give away X amount of shares with a price per share. So what you did, it sounds like you invested in so many shares. Now you're not collecting any kind of ongoing payment, right? You're looking for the payout for you is when it would go public or probably sell, correct? Correct. So you want to get, so the CEOs, the, the, the company, because they're filing with the SEC, has to put out that SEC regulation. So you can view that offering live. You can read yep. it for yourself and see how that company is making money or if they're even making money. There are companies on there that have to be very honest. They're not making money money. There's people um, on there. So you can read that for yourself. They also have to disclose who is a part of their marketing team. So you see the CEO, his staff, his team, what their payouts are, if they're even receiving any payouts in the startup of this business or not. And so you can see all of that on there and you can make a, a conscious decision and say, is this the future? Is this company going to do well? Is it doing well currently or am I? And it's based mm-hmm. off the valuation. So they make a price on their shares based off of this, um, not fictitious, but industry trending evaluation. Sure. Based off of yep. that evaluation, that's how you get your prices per share. And then what I look for is just like what you said. I need to know what's this, the company's um, goal. Is the company intending to go public? Are they looking to be bought out? Or are they looking for a big firm to buy them out? Those are the things, those are a few of the things that will trigger your payment, your your return on your investment. If a company tells me they never intend to go public, 
I'm not even looking because I'm you're out. just telling <laughs> I'm out. You've lost me. You just told me you're going to take my money and you'll never go public. You'll never um, be traded. You'll never, I'll never get my money. You'll never yeah. get your return, even though the company could be going skyrocket. What's the yes. goal? What's the CEO's vision? Sure. That's what you want to pay attention to. I, I also love this strategy as well. You have the opportunity to get into some early stage businesses before they go public and and hopefully you, you hit a, a rocket ship here and watch it, you know, just go crazy. Now, I have to ask this question. With the public market, you know, public businesses have to release quarterly and annual income statements, balance sheets, and cash flow statements. With this entity, the startengine.com, do these private businesses reveal their their financial statements? They reveal their fi- financial statements. Some of them post them out again. The SEC regulations they have to they have right. to follow those guidelines. Now, if you want a more intimate, how are you doing? So I looked at one company. It's a rum company. I actually have their their vodka here. Okay. They posted their financial statements, right? And so I I invested and I purchased into it. Um, but other companies. Um, they want you to contact them. They'll disclose it to you based off of, um, sure. first off, if you are a professional investor or if you're not a professional investor. Will, but they have to give you a baseline. Are we producing revenue? Are we making money? Or are we breaking even? So at a baseline level, they have to disclose what they're currently doing. For a more intimate touch with their finances, they're going to want you to contact them directly and their financial officer or their, their CPA will contact you to disclose personally how they're performing if you want to take a look at their books. Sure. So that that's the, that's the experience that I've had with them. I love it. And I want to ask a, a question here about overcoming, you know, a, a big challenge or adversity. I think it'd be cool to hear a, a good story there that the audience can learn from. But just to summarize, I'm looking at your diversified portfolio of revenue streams. You've got your main full-time job. I love that because that's that's stability, number one. Two, you've got real estate. Three, you've got ATMs. Four, you've got, which I would call more angel investing, private investing. And then five, you have lending. So you have five streams of income. Good for you, man. Well done. You (laughs) You are in a great spot. I love it. So of all these streams, can you share something and this could be relate to strategy or psychology and how, what, what kind of challenge did you face and how did you overcome it? So the biggest strategy I had to overcome was I was going through a divorce. Okay. I went through a divorce. And one of the biggest things I had to overcome, many people will tell you, oh, I'm not making any money. Why isn't the government helping me? Why? Help me, government. Give me more money. I realized a lot of us claim that we have an income problem. And that income problem is someone else's fault. It's not, your, it's not someone else's fault. It's your fault. And so one of the things I did when I first got into investing, yes, I was bringing in, I was house hacking and bringing in money, but I picked up five jobs that year. So I did, I did Uber, I did Pizza Hut delivery, I worked my nine to five job, and I did nighttime security, or sorry, four jobs. So I did nighttime security. That's still a lot of jobs, right? But sure. I did that, I did that to overcome the issue that so many people claim to have. I have an income problem, I'm not making enough money. My employer isn't paying me enough. That's not true. And that should not stop you. And so when I, when I changed this, when I changed my mindset, I said, Marcus, you're 26. You have so many good years left before this breaks down, this frame, this body breaks down. And I'm not going to be able to work that hard probably ever again. 
And so I had to make a commitment. And I did that for an entire year. I worked four jobs nonstop, couple hours of sleep. I did that for a year. To this day, I never have to pick up another part-time job again right. because I believed in myself and I changed this mindset and overcome that, that common um, stereotype that I'm not making enough money. Go out, get another job. Go out, get a second job. Go out, get a third job and make more money and use your time wisely. Most people don't have that level of focus. I did that for a year and I made that promise. I will work this for a year. And I will work to the bone. And at the end of this year, at the end of this year, I will come out financially ahead or I'm done. Yep. I did not fail. I was not going to let myself fail. When people make their goals bigger than, than what's in front of them, you'll fail yourself all day long. You'll give up on yourself. But when you make it about something bigger than yourself, there's nothing stopping you. There's nothing stopping you from breaking down that door. And when I penetrated that, that wall, I realized what I had overcame and I realized that there's no going back from there. And that's what we have to overcome. I love that. And there's a few points in there regarding psychology and mindset, which is great, but there's also the fundamentals of, you know, sacrifice and you put in the hard work. Now it's not, it's not glamorous. It's painful. You're working multiple jobs, getting very little sleep, free time goes out the window. You put in that time. Now it can pay off big time later on. And I love that. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. It had to do it. We have to do it. That's how we get to a better place. Right. All right. Let's transition here to the rapid fire round. This is the part of the episode where we get to find out who Marcus really is. You ready? I am ready. All right. If you can answer each question in 15 seconds or less, let's do this. All right. First question. What is your favorite podcast? Um, Gentleman style podcast, my podcast. <laughs> Oh, come on. Besides yours. Um, I love the Dave Ramsey podcast. I love the Dave Ramsey show. That's a great podcast. Um, okay. his, his, his core finances are good. Nice. Good for you. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? The most recent book I read was, shame on me. The most recent book I read was The Richest Man in Babylon. That book okay. was a very foundational, because um, I'm a Christian. And so that book, correlates business and God in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. And that's what I needed to hear. I would be interested in that. I'll put that on the list. All right. What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie is Black Panther. Nice. I'm a big Marvel fan. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Forget DC. Forget DC. Oh, Love come on, Marvel. man. I'm a big DC fan too. No. Snyder no. Cut. Snyder no. Cut crushed it. <laughs> anyway, this is not about me. This is about you. Right, next question here. What is your favorite food? My favorite food is pasta. Okay. White sauce with the shrimp. Can't be. There you go. There you go. All right. How many hours do you work per week? I work 40 hours per week. Good for you. Are you pretty strict about that? Like you have a good work-life balance, would you say? No. <laughs> I need to incorporate some things. I need to offload more. I need to offload some more things off my plate um, so that I can get some physical fitness in there because um, okay. I am not taking care of that. We'll, we'll get to that in a second here. So wellness-related question, how many hours of sleep do you get each night? Now I get eight hours. Good for you. But it's now, so that implies before you weren't doing so well, right? I was not. I was not, which led to the reduction in hours. I was working ridiculous hours, um, staying up at night, okay. not getting done till one in the morning, two in the morning. 
Um, now I'm committed. I will go to bed by 8, 9 p.m. No matter nice. what. Good for you. All right. And this leads to the uh, health and wellness question, working out. How many, or I, I, sh- I should rephrase this. What is your workout regimen? My workout regimen is now I go for walks. Um, right. So I go for, for daily walks. I need to intensify that. But my workout regimen is daily walks every single day. Go for a 30-minute walk, spread, get some sun, get some vitamin D, and, 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 and see something in these, these four walls, right? Right. Exactly. Good for you. Okay. And last question here, if you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? I would visit myself at 18 and I would tell myself that in buy real estate, buy more real estate um, as soon as you can and not wait. I waited too long to buy real estate and invest in real estate. That's funny you say that because almost everybody I've had on this show that has talked about real estate, they always say that I should have bought more real estate. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good call. Okay, Marcus, I'll turn it over to you. Where can the audience reach you? Absolutely. So the audience can reach me by my name, Marcus Norman at Facebook. um, And I'm on most major platforms. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. And if you want to check out what I'm doing, I have a gentleman style podcast show. I have Mark's Real Estate Holding Company, which is on Facebook and Instagram. And I have the Norman Legacy Investment Co. Um, That's my investment for my ATMs and my um, equity business and my lending business. Um, And that's on Facebook as well at normanlegacy.co. Awesome. All right, Marcus. Well, hey, really appreciate your time. This is great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. All right. We'll see you. Don't be wasting any time. I got somewhere to be. Always on the grind. Yeah, you know me. All the crowd will be mine. You can call me king. Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know your time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya. Don't be wasting any time. I got somewhere to be. Always on the grind. Yeah, you know me. All the crowd will be mine. You can call me king. A matter of time for you all love me. Find me at my prime right where I want to be. I'm one of a kind. There ain't no one like me.